Wednesday night, I tuned into the service as Marquise, he did a great job on Wednesday night, but I thought you guys were all going to have a business meeting right at the end of the service and vote him in as pastor since the whole service lasted 40 minutes, 27 seconds. The sermon was about 19 minutes long, and I was like, did he just, he said, let's pray, he's already done. And I just, after the service, I just think everyone was happy about that, I'm like, that's fast, Sunday came, and Sunday's here. I'm not going to be quite that fast, but I did tell Joyce, I think it's going to be a short sermon this morning. I'm like, man, Marquise, he did a great job, but he got to that point and got done pretty quick. I'm like, I'm shocked they didn't vote him in. We like that, but the longer you preach, the longer it's going to take, and that's what happens over time. Mark chapter 7, let's dive right into the scriptures this morning. Mark chapter number 7, we're going to finish up chapter number 7 this morning, and so just six verses today. Technically seven, isn't it? Because 31, yeah, so seven verses this morning. The Bible tells us, Mark chapter 7, verse 31, And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they, bringing unto him one that was deaf, and had an impotent in his speech, and they beseeched him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude... And put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed, and said unto him, Ephetha, that is, be open. And straightway his ears were open, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, look at this phrase right here. He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Look at that phrase that they said in verse 37. He hath done all things well. I think sometimes in the Christian life, we get our focus not where it's supposed to be, and we lose sight of the one that truly matters. Our song service this morning, there's a method behind my madness sometimes. But Jesus Christ is our only hope. And sometimes I think we get so boggled down in life, we kind of forget how wonderful he is. And if one thing that has happened over and over again to me through the study through the book of Mark, it just reminds me how wonderful he is. That he would go out of his way to do the things that he would do. To love those that society of that day didn't love. He hath done all things well. 2,000 years later, he still hath done all things well. I want to encourage you this morning, we're going to look at this passage, and they said he hath done all things well. What did he do in this passage? That's what I want to look at this morning. But I'll tell you something this morning. Healing or no healing, whatever the case may be, 
Jesus still hath done all things well. Don't ever forget that. Father, we need you this morning. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for this passage of scripture that we have before our eyes. I thank you for your care for those that society didn't care for as much. Thankful for the priorities that you made and the things that you did in your life. And I pray this morning that as we look at this passage of scripture, we're going to look at some things that you did in this passage. And I see some things that we as your people can follow in your footsteps this morning. Pray that you would help us today. And I pray that you would guide our thoughts, guide our direction. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Caroline and I got away for a few days this week. And we had a great time together. But just because I went on vacation doesn't mean that a sermon goes on vacation. There's just as much time put into today's sermon as any other sermon that gets preached. As we look at our text this morning, I think about tonight's message. Tonight we're in Romans chapter number 8, verse 28 through 30. Some great verses tonight. But God's purpose, one of his main purposes in our lives is to conform us to the image of his son. We're Christians, right? Our mark, the one, our standard that we need to look to is not some man behind a pulpit or any other person in this world. The standard, the mark that we look to is Jesus Christ. So this morning as we look at these verses... Let's see what Jesus did. They said in this passage, they were beyond measure astonished. He hath done all things well. Let's look at what Jesus did in this passage this morning. Number one, as we dive in, we see that Jesus makes the unreached a priority. Jesus makes the unreached a priority. Verse 31 tells us, And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And you might say, well, um, how did that all work? Joe, I got a map up on the screen. If you want to put that map up for us. So if you look at that map, and I don't have a laser pointer or anything, but if you look real close to that map, down you got the, you got this, right there you got the Sea of Galilee there. Gesenaret, Capernaum. He left Capernaum and went up to Tyre. It's quite 30, 30 plus miles walking. Let's remind you of that. Then from Tyre, he went to Sidon, another 20 miles from there. From Sidon, the Bible says he was going back to, the, back to Galilee, back to Capernaum, that area, but he went the long way around. He went down and around to Decapolis, which is where Gadara was, where the maniac was from. Then he went on his way back, so he kind of went the long way around. I tried to figure it out to help you out to give you some idea. So imagine being here in Chino and walking to Santa Monica to begin with. That's a great example. From Santa Monica walking to Malibu. From Malibu, uh, that's even going a little further than you might be going to Hemet. Paris, Hemet, back to Chino. It's literally. This took, and some scholars say this took several months to accomplish. 
We don't have all the details of what happened during this whole time. But you, and for us, you might say, well, several months. Well, let's say it was six months. Jesus' ministry was three years. That's one-sixth of his ministry. Right in these few verses. And as you look, you see he went a long ways out. The people of Jerusalem, the Jews, they didn't care too much about Tyre and Sidon, those that lived there. They didn't care too much about those that lived on the other side of the sea. Yet we see Jesus making a priority to reach the unprioritized people. I think he was trying to teach the disciples a lesson. Remember, he told them in Acts chapter number 1, they're going to be witnesses on them both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and then in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. He wanted them to get this idea that reaching the unlost was important. It didn't matter if they were from Tyre or Sidon. didn't matter if they were from Decapolis. He came for the lost. And aren't you thankful for that today? You see, as we look this morning at the message, we see, number one, that Jesus makes the unreached a priority. And as we think about this, and as we study this thought, when he gets to Decapolis, he ministers to a man who's unable to hear and unable to speak clearly. And this region we've mentioned before, and as I told you, one of the maps I was using before had Gassinaret down near Decapolis. And so that was my bad. I should look better at that map. And so, but you got to understand, as he's in Decapolis, they're bringing people to Jesus. Who did this? Who told the people of Decapolis? You've got to remember something. Remember after Jesus healed the maniac of Gadara? What did the people tell Jesus? You need to go. We don't, we don't want you here. Aren't you glad that Jesus goes back and gives them a second chance? I'm glad to see that. Because how many times do we need a second chance? They're like, no, we don't, we don't want you here in Mark chapter 5, right? But what does he do? He goes back and people are brought to him. And remember that maniac? He wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to get on the boat and go. And Jesus said, no, stay here. What did this man do during this time? He told people about a testimony of a man who was, was demon-possessed with a lot of demons. And how there was a man named Jesus that came and healed him. Jesus comes back. People come to him. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Hey, when's the last time you told someone about Jesus and what he's done in your life? Say, well, Jesus told this man, he's told all of us to witness. He's told all of us to share our faith with those around us. Jesus made it a priority. He goes out of his way to go to Tyre and Sidon. He goes out of his way to go back to Decapolis, to people who didn't even want him. And he goes back. Jesus cares and makes the unreached a priority. Verse 32 tells us, And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impotent in his speech, and they beseeched him to put his hand upon him. Jesus came a long ways. That's a long trip from Sidon down to Decapolis for this man. 
Hey, he came a long way for us. The glories and portals of heaven to die on a cross for us. Aren't you glad that he made us a priority? He did it for this man as well. If we're going to be Christ-like and be his followers, one of the reasons I believe the people said here he'd done all things well, number one, is because Jesus makes the outreach a priority. This week, find someone to share the gospel with. Tell someone about what Jesus has done in your life. Make today everyone's making everything a big deal and lots of things are okay there are a lot of big deals Afghanistan with our soldiers that's a big it's a big lives matter but don't tell me that lives matter because they really don't matter to you for Jesus that's number one. Number two, let's see Jesus ministers in private. Jesus makes the unreached a priority, and he also ministers in private so there will be no distractions. You notice the first part of verse number 33, and he took himself aside from the multitude. Maybe the man, it would help the man be less self-conscious. Maybe, I don't know what the case was. But, you know, Jesus did something similar to that, and we'll see this when we get to chapter number 8 and verse 23. It says, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. When the religious hypocrites of the day brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus, Jesus waits for each of them to leave before he talks to the woman in private. That's our Savior. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is found in Matthew 12, verse 20, which is quoted from Isaiah 42. And uh, I was going to say that wasn't the verse. That is the verse. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. We see Jesus minister privately to these folks man in this passage let me ask you a question this morning when's the last time you ministered with Jesus privately you can, you can sit here you can sing songs you can raise your hand and worship to God and I'm all for that that's biblical I think that's a good thing but corporate worship doesn't mean a whole lot if there's no private worship When's the last time you got alone with God privately? Church is wonderful, and we need church. I think some people that, for a while, were all into this live stream thing. I read an article this last week, and I'm not against live stream. I'm thankful for live stream, but live stream is not church and never was intended to be, and it should never be taken that way. And so it's not on this service, so next service I'll make that little plug there, and I'll go a little deeper. It's time some people quit watching online and they get their backsides back in the chairs of church and we'll leave that there it's been long enough get 
time to get time to get back to God. But what do you do Monday through Saturday? Or Monday through Sunday before you go to church? You need time with God. Man, this last week, Caroline and I, it's the longest time we've been away from the kids. Caroline's mom, she's still alive. Praise God, she made it through with those four kids. If you have 13, you should be able to handle four, right? There's a difference. Those four have my blood in them. That's quite a difference. And so she did a great job with that. But we are, we are very close in our marriage as it is. But there is something very special about just the time with the two of us for several days. When's the last time you got alone with God? You need time with Him. In the world that we live and everything going on around us today, we need time with God. Jesus ministers in private. We see, number one, this morning that Jesus makes the unreached a priority. Number two, Jesus ministers in private. Number three, Jesus touches personally. Jesus ministered privately to this man, and he also personally touched him, as we see at the end of verse 33. And put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. I'm not telling you you need to spit on anybody. That's not what I'm saying here this morning. Some of the people say, why did Jesus do it the way he did? Don't worry about why he does things the way he does. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's got everything under control. He does all things well. So he's his hand well. He did a good job with it. He did a good job of reaching into that man's ears. He did a good job. He does all things well. That's what, this, that's what they said, right? But as we look at this passage of Scripture, there's several things that we can learn as we look through here. Just the fact that Jesus makes the unreached a priority, and the priority in our life should be the unreached. Your neighbor, your co-worker, that family member, we see, secondly, this morning, that Jesus ministers in private. We just say, when's the last time you spent time with the Lord in private? Or when's the last time you ministered to someone and no one else knew you did? If you minister just so everyone can see what you do, you're kind of missing out on the whole point of ministering. And then we see the fact that Jesus touches personally. Oh, it's one thing for so-and-so to reach out, but when's the last time you personally reached out and touched somebody and helped them. Number four, Jesus reframes perspective. And this is so important this morning. This is what happens to us. This is what happens throughout Scripture. We see it over and over again. We see people lose proper perspective. We look at our text and we look at verse number 34. Look at what it says at the beginning there. And looking up to heaven. He wanted this man to realize that the power, the source of the power that he had, where it came from. He put into perspective, he brings the focus on what matters and what's important. Instead of just focusing on this man's issue, Jesus wanted him to put his attention on the Almighty. The Bible tells us in Psalm 123, verse number 1, Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. 
Bible also tells us, I think it's Psalm 124. I think it's the very next chapter, or it's Psalm 24. It's one, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. Hey, perspective helps with things. And Jesus does this over and over again in his ministry. The Bible tells us in Mark 6:41, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves. The Bible tells us in John 11:41 that Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me." In John 17 and verse number 1, then these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. Do you see the perspective when people spend time with you and I? Does their perspective change because they see us looking up? Or you, let's think about this. Are you pointing people to God? Or are you pointing people to the garbage around them? A great example of that. Are you ready? What happened in Afghanistan this week is a tragedy and awful. I also think Christians' response this week have been terrible. Our president's the worst president ever. He's the president. Okay? He is. Get over it. Get over it. Heavenly perspective. You pray for your leaders. This world can criticize all they want. Say, but they criticized the last guy that I really like. So what? Get the proper perspective. When people look at you, when they read your Instagram posts or your Facebook posts, is the perspective, are you pointing them to him? Or are you pointing them to all the garbage around us? The garbage has to be dealt with. The garbage is around us. That's this world, okay? There's nothing, we, the garbage is here. But the question comes down to what are you pointing people to? Are you pointing them back to the garbage or are you pointing them to the one who can help in the midst of the garbage? Some people might not like that, but that's the truth. That's the perspective. That's what we're missing today. That's where we got to get back to. Hey, pastors and churches need to get back to the right perspective. You see, we, there is garbage all around us, and the world's getting worse, okay? It's not getting better. If you think it's getting better, it's not. And I'll just help you out this morning. It's only going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. There is no hope for this world. I've read the book. I get it. The only hope this world has is Jesus Christ. So instead of pushing all the garbage at everybody, get the perspective as you deal with the garbage. Put heaven in view of everything that you do. Yes, there's going to be things as Americans that you get infuriated by. And to think of the lives that have been lost this last week, it's a terrible thing. And the fact that not, not, not everyone might get out of there, that's an American. That's terrible. I could go live in that garbage and complain all the time about the leadership. And there's, there's blame to go around. Or I could put my view in perspective of him and deal with the garbage. That's what we see Jesus doing here. Jesus, everything he did, he pointed people to his father. And as Christians today, 
we need to be pointing people to heaven. We need a proper view of what's going on around us today. He hath done all things well. What did Jesus do? Jesus made the unreached a priority. Number two, he ministered in private. Number three, he touched personally. Number four, he refrains from perspective. Number five, Jesus shows pain. When someone's going through it, when this man and his life that he's lived, not being able to hear, not being able to speak, look at what the Bible says Jesus does there in verse 34. And looking up to heaven, he sighed. That word as we look there, he sighed. The Greek word here was used of a snorting of a horse, which helps us see that Jesus was broken up by this man's misery. Like that verse that's found in the book of Romans. We're to weep with them that weep. That's what compassion is all about. Jesus shows this here. One day a boy came home from school looking really sad, and his mom asked him what was wrong. And her son said that her, his friend Billy's dad had died. He told his mom that Billy was so upset that he cried and cried all day. The mom asked her son what he did when he saw his friend crying. And the little boy said, I just laid my head in, on my desk and I cried with him. Oh, that we as the people of God would have tender hearts and tears in our eyes when we deal with people. Jesus had compassion. We see that right here for this man. He sighed. He grieved for this man. When's the last time you grieved for somebody? That's what compassion is all about. Maybe it'd be a great prayer to pray in the morning. God, open my eyes and give me compassion like you have for this person might change how mad you get the guy that cuts you off. might change a lot of things. But pray a prayer like, God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. That's what we need. He hath done all things well. Number five, we see that Jesus shows pain. Then number six, Jesus speaks a proclamation. When the Savior speaks, amazing things happen. The last part of verse 34 says, um, He saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be open. All God had to do was say the word, and he was healed. All he had to do was say, let there be light, and there was light. What a Savior, what a God. The Bible tells us in Psalm 33, 9, for he spake, and it was done, he commanded, and it stood fast. We look at this passage of scripture this morning. And we see the six things that Jesus did. They were amazed and they said he hath done all things well. Because of what Jesus did there are three results. And I want to give those to you real quick. And we're rounding the finish line this morning. Number one we see that there was immediate healing. And we know how in the book of Mark, the words immediately and straightway are used over and over again, right? 
And it continues right here. And straightway his ears were open, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plainly. Immediate healing. That's what Jesus is capable of doing. Number two, the results of it. We see there was zealous proclamation. And we see that Jesus tells them, hey, don't go and spread this everywhere. Why do you think he did that? Doesn't it, doesn't it seem strange that Jesus would do that? But don't you remember there was a maniac just two chapters before? And the maniac was going all around the people, leave, we don't want you here. I think the reason he didn't want it proclaimed is he didn't want the same response. But what happens? We see the fact, the Bible says in verse 36, and he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. Good news is hard to keep quiet, isn't it? It should be anyways. It's interesting that they're told to tell no one, and they tell everyone. We're told to tell everyone, and we seldom tell anyone. Maybe the Lord needed to use reverse psychology and say, hey, don't tell anybody about me. Maybe we'd do it. I don't know. We see a zealous proclamation. Then we see number three, as we do over and over again with Jesus, we see overwhelming astonishment. This passage ends on a note of praise with a reference to fulfilled prophecy in verse 37 there. And we're beyond measure astonished, saying he hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. And the tense of this verse shows us that they were in a continual state of being awestruck by him. Wow, wow. It's how I see my life over and over again. The Lord just over and over again, he shows himself. Wow, wow. That's what it was for them here. What do we do with all of this this morning? Six things we see that Jesus did. The results of that, I want to give you three quick things and we'll be done this morning. Number one, application. Bring those with disabilities or disorders to Jesus. Jesus cares about all people. All people. Deaf, blind, whatever the case may be this morning. What did the Bible say in the book of Leviticus? Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shalt fear thy God, I am the Lord. We need to be aware of those with disabilities and reach out to them. That's what our Savior did. We must do what he did. And the Bible tells us in Luke 14, verse 13 and 14, when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. That's what Jesus said, right? Isn't that what he said right there? These people matter. That's why on Sunday nights, someone needs to help pick up some boys to get them to church because they matter 
Are they ever going to put a drop of money in the offering plate? Probably not. But they need Jesus. People matter. Bring those with disabilities or disorders to Jesus. Number two, we need to learn to surrender to God's sovereignty. Are you struggling with this one today? The scripture tells us he hath done all things well. That's what it says, right? And you know, sometimes God doesn't heal, and sometimes he does. The Bible does tell us in Exodus 4, verse number 11, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? He does it. He makes them just how they are. And we know according to the Bible, he hath done all things well. Have you surrendered to his sovereignty in your life? Can you say in your life that he's done all things well even when things don't look so well? That tonight at 6 o'clock. But church, let me just remind you today, no matter what the circumstance, no matter where you're at in life, he has done all things well. We see number three this morning. Ask God to give you spiritual ears so you can be saved. Before salvation, we're deaf, we're blind to the things of God. The Spirit of God tries to work on a man. Do you know Christ today? We think about those in this world going through life with a disability. Imagine lots of people going through life today. They can't see. They're blind. They're, they're messed up in their thinking. They're messed up. Maybe there's someone here this morning or whatever the case may be. Let God work in your heart. He's the one who draws all men unto, the, unto Christ, right? Isn't God the one who does that? He does. He does. Not the pastor, not a salesman. God does. God draws. Maybe that's you this morning and you need the Lord. You could receive him today. If you're not saved this morning, your sins have separated you from God. You've been cut off from him. But God, Jesus is compassionate. And just as he gave those people a second chance and came back to the area, he's willing to reach out to you today. If you'll let him. What a text. What a Savior to go all the ways that he did. And wherever he went, as we see, the people were astonished. Like, wow. And I love what they said here. He hath done all things well. What a Savior. What an example for us. Hey, have you made the lost a priority today? Do you get in private with the Lord? Do you minister to those in private? Do you touch people personally? 
do you point people in the right perspective? Yeah, the garbage is everywhere around us. But hey, Christian, let's quit living in the garbage with everybody else. And let's get a proper perspective with all the garbage around. Jesus showed compassion. And he healed this man. 